Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. Amen. We're so glad to have you in the house, and we give God praise for what He is doing and what He continues to do in Jesus' name. All right, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. Here we go. Let's go here for a second. I'm in the New American Standard Bible, uh, EP's favorite version. All right. (laughs) It's still the New King James for me, but, you know, uh, NASB is fine. (laughs) Amen. All right. Um, It reads like this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 is a New Testament a book written by the Apostle Paul and it writes now we command you brothers and sisters in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from every brother or sister who leads a disorderly life and not one in accordance with tradition which you receive from us all right verse 7 says for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined way among you nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it but with labor and hardship we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you verse 9 says not because we do not have the right to do this but in order to offer ourselves as a role model for you so that you would follow follow our example for when for even when we were with you we used we used to give you this order if anyone is not willing to work then he is not to eat either verse 11 says for we hear that some among you are leading Um, an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Verse 12 says, now we command and exhort such persons in the Lord Jesus Christ to work peacefully and eat their own bread. But as for you, brothers and sisters, do not grow weary of doing good. I want to talk to you from a subject tonight entitled, Don't Be Lazy. Don't be lazy. Say, Say to yourself, say self, don't be lazy. I think all of us has a streak of procrastination. How many can lift your hands and say that's you? I think I got a streak of procrastination with me as well. Um, But it's interesting. Um, So we're not in a message series per se or anything like that. We're in a series of messages that I feel um, God challenging us as a church as we're turning five in September, challenging us um, as a church to uh, really be about the business of the kingdom. And um, last week I talked about, are you the faithful steward or the faithful servant um, from Luke chapter 12 last week? And really uh, and really what uh, Jesus was saying uh, to us in that text was about how we ought to how we should be living as Christians. Uh, We should be always prepared and ready. So we live with a sense of readiness. We live with a sense of preparedness that in in theory, uh, in, in context of what Jesus is saying, that we while we live for a future hope, there's things that we ought to be doing while he's away. 
All right. There's things that we ought to be doing while he's away. We ought to be at work. We ought to be about our uh, uh, about the kingdom work that Jesus has has placed us in the earth to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So what I'm saying to us is that um, when we are taking up time and not doing the things that we know that God has entrusted us to do, we therefore are forfeiting ourselves from the reward that comes along with being a trust. Is so, uh, faithful servant that you have to understand when the Bible tells us to set our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. And when the scripture tells us to store up your treasures in heaven, those things, what you're doing while being about your father's business is you're storing up those treasures. You're storing up uh, those, those crowns that will be waiting for you based upon what you did here on the earth. Now, let me make this very clear. This is not me telling you that you are working for your salvation. This is not the gospel of works that says that you are saved by what you do. No, you're not saved by what you do. You are saved uh, uh, by grace through, uh, you are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's make that very clear. That when you believe Jesus, all he asks is for faith. He's not asking for you to work and do something. Uh, not you're working to get your salvation or you're working to keep your salvation. I'm not working to keep my salvation. I'm not working to get salvation. That's already been accomplished on the cross of Jesus Christ. And what I'm doing is coming into alignment with faith in Jesus Christ. And now when we're talking about works in this context, we're talking about work in the sense of, of, of being, uh, uh, not, uh, 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 in that text last week, we're talking about works in the sense of doing what God has purposed us to do in the earth. Are you get what I'm saying? So works are a byproduct of, of our salvation, but it is not the, the vehicle in which we receive salvation. You get what I'm saying? And so for this text, ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to go here because Desalin, uh, the church of uh, Thessalonica, uh, uh, Paul wrote to them. They were a young church. It wasn't that they were young in age. They were young in how new the church was formed. They're new believers. They're new converts. They're new believers. Paul's writing to them. He wrote uh, the, 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 the essence of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians is to continue to not only exhort them in the work of God, but also he's giving correction to uh, the, uh, this theology that was out there that was creeping into the church about Jesus is coming. And so he clears that up. But when we get here to 2 Thessalonians, he's also coming for what is also creeped in the church as well, because he talked about it in his first letter about idleness. Now, idleness, ladies and gentlemen, what this simply means, it may sound like a big word, but it's not. What it simply means is that uh, someone who is lazy or unproductive, someone who's lazy and unproductive. Matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus said that one of his signs or one of the end time signs would be in the days of Sodom. So everybody, when they talk about the days of Sodom, they focus on the, the sexual immorality and those things that were going on. That's part of it. But one of the main parts that was talked about in Ezekiel, I believe 16 or 17, was about how they had an abundance of idleness, that they had pride. All right. And so they had an abundance of people who were unproductive, doing nothing. OK, 
That, ladies and gentlemen, is not only is, it, it, idleness is a sin. It is a sin against yourself and it is a sin against society because that means you're not adding to it. You're not adding what God is giving you to the culture. Are you get what I'm saying? And so here in this text, ladies and gentlemen, Paul is coming for it once again because word has gotten to him. Matter of fact, Timothy came back with word to Paul concerning what was going on, telling them that idleness, this thing is creeping in the church because what happened was is that because this the, the doctrine was getting out of there, getting out that Jesus' return is about to happen at any second or any moment, people thought like, okay, I'm going to stop working because Jesus is about to come back anytime. Cool, I don't need to work. That was the mindset. All right. The mindset was Jesus come back next day. It could be in 24 hours and this, the, the, uh, different things like that. And so what happened was is that the pe people uh, of this mindset started creeping in. So people started not being productive. There were some in the church that stopped working and were dependent on the gen generosity of other believers who were well off within the church. And Paul was like, oh, wait a minute. Paul said, wait a minute, we can't do this. We can't do this here. So what he said to them is he says, look here, brothers and sisters, uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother or sister who leads disorderly life. All right. And not one in accordance with the tradition which you have received from us. When he's talking about tradition, he's talking about uh, the manner in which they taught or the manner in which they walked in front of them. OK, that's what Paul is saying here. So he's saying who any person who did who, who, who is not in accordance to what you received from us, what you've been taught from us, you be careful of them. All right. Because what happens is it's a young church. If you are a new believer and you're getting all these other stuff, you can't be tossed to and fro in doctrine. We have to find a, 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 a the basis and stick to that so that you can work off of those basics. You get what I'm saying? If you're hearing this from that person, that from that person, and it sounds right, but it may not be right, or it sounds, you get confused. You get what I'm saying? And so Paul is trying to limit this confusion. He said, hey, hey, if they're not walking or they didn't talk in the way in which I was with you all, stay away from them. That's what he's saying. Who leads a disorderly life? Part of living a disorderly life meaning an undisciplined life. They're not disciplined. You get what I'm saying? They're out They're all over the place. He's saying be careful of them because what happens is that stuff can rub off on you. You get what I'm saying? And so here it is. Let's go line by line. He says, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. And so Paul is continue. When you hear Paul say, imitate us, okay, as, as, we, as we follow Christ. What he's trying to tell them, oftentimes when you have new converts of believers, a, new, a region that has been set on fire for God, they have to remember to follow the direction of who introduced them to the faith to begin with. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Pastor Dom here. Listen, our Connect class is launching this fall. Connect class is an amazing opportunity for all of you to learn and experience our TCF culture, our history, our operations, our core values as a church. So if you want to become a part of TCF, you have to sign up for Connect class. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for you to connect with people. If you want to be a part, go to our website, www.transformationchristianfellowship.org, and sign up for Connect class. We can't wait to meet and connect with you. And remember, transformation starts here.
He's saying follow our example. Listen, at least you have something to go off of. Sometimes when people first give their life to Christ, they don't have nothing to go off of. And he's saying, hey, remember how we were in front of you. Remember how we went about our Christian conduct. All right. And so what we're talking about right now is how we all as believers should be while while we are living with perspective, knowing that Jesus is coming one day. So we live with that perspective that heaven is our heaven is a reality and it's a future. But in the present right now, we have work to do. Are you get what I'm saying? And so he says, because we did not act in an undisciplined way among you, meaning that we were not undisciplined, meaning that Paul's saying in front of them that you saw our work ethic. You saw our work ethic. You knew how we were. This is how he said it. He said, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. That means that they weren't looking for handouts. They weren't looking for nobody's handouts. They weren't looking. This is what Paul says. He said, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. So what Paul is saying here to the church of Thessalonica, he's saying, listen, we worked and still ministered to you. Paul was a tent maker. He was still having to do that while ministering to them so he could make a way for themselves. Are you get what I'm saying? And the reason why Paul did it this way is because this was a young church, a new founded church. And he's saying, I did not want to be a burden to you all, nor if you go, if we can go further, I don't want to be a stumbling block to you because for some that may be a stumbling block. Well, why are we giving to him and all of this stuff like that? And so to get rid of that, when we got new believers, he said, I won't do that. I'm going to I'm going to work in front of them. I'm going to show them how what it means to serve, uh, uh, serve in the public sector and also serve in the house of the Lord. I'm going to show them that serving does not just stop here at the church. Serving goes into my workplace. Serving well goes into anywhere I am at. That's what Paul was trying to show this young church. It's not that I do. I'm one way here and one way at another place. No, I'm the same way at all times. So it will not so that I will not be a burden to you so that I won't be a stumbling block to you. That's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to walk in this manner. You saw that in our labor, meaning our hard work, even in our hardships, we still day and night we worked. This is the type of work ethic that Paul is saying. And he said, and then he goes into the next verse right here. He goes into the next verse. He says, not because we do not have the right to this. He's saying, look, it's not that we don't have the right. We started the church. We, we have the right. We, we don't, there's nothing wrong with the, with the man of God or woman of God being on the staff and getting stuff. He's saying, it's nothing wrong with that. Right. It was not he's not coming for that. But there was a reason why he didn't do it in this initial uh, initial spot, because he did not want this young church to be taken off course. He says and he says, but in offer in, in, in order to offer ourselves as a role model for you so that you would follow our example, they had to gain their trust. Are you getting what I'm saying? He had to gain their trust. He said, no, 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 no. You have to understand we're doing this in a way so that you could work off of this example. 
So you had something that you could go off of. Something that you understand, okay, how do I act now that I'm saved? How do I act now that I'm a believer? The problem is now is that we don't have, we have people telling you something, but you don't have a role model. Well, show me then. Well, show me how do I can live in the right. You can't preach holiness and don't show me what holiness looks like. There has to be something. And ladies and gentlemen, as a model, of course, Jesus is our model and he's our perfect model. But guess what? And he's the ultimate one we should look to. But we should also, which is a good thing, look to our brothers and sisters to see how they are going about their journey. Yeah, yeah. Not in a way to be competitive or anything like that, but in a way that it helps you and your spiritual walk with Christ. Are you hearing me? So he says, for if even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So you don't work, you don't eat. He's saying, listen, y'all, whoever, who, listen, whoever's out here and they're not trying to work for what they need and work for their own bread, this is not, let me tell you something. Let's take out the fact economics for a second. This is what Paul is not coming for people who genuinely needed the help. He's coming for people who did not need the help, but was taking the generosity of the people in the church for granted. That's what he's talking about here. We ought to help the needy. We ought to help the people who, 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 who are oppressed. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is coming for is people who know that they are abusing the generosity of the people in the church. Because in the early church, they gave to one another. If you didn't have it, I had it. If you, didn't, if you needed this, I had it for you. It was a community. It was a community, but Paul is coming. He said, oh, we're going to fix this little laziness issue up in this church. We're not having this here. Because guess what? That becomes a problem. That becomes a problem. And for some, that's the reason why sometimes the church in certain aspects cannot reach all people because they feel like it's, it's geared towards one type of uh, economic status. Are you get what I'm saying? So Paul is saying, no, we got to fix this. This is not good. He's saying, listen, you don't work, you don't eat. That's how, that's how it is. You don't work, you don't eat. And let me show you this. Let's go to the next verse, and then I'll get to that verse in a second. Here's what Paul says. He says, for we hear that some among you, he didn't say all of you, some of you are leading an undisciplined life and doing no work at all. But acting like busybodies. He's saying, listen, you busy, but you unproductive. This is why idleness is an issue. Because when somebody is lazy and they're unproductive, what they start doing is getting in other people's business. That's what they do. They're busybodies. That's what they do. They start meddling in other people's businesses. That's why you got certain laws talking about people's lives. That's why you have people who are trolls in the comment sections because they have nothing else better to do with their lives. That's what they, that's what happens. They're busybodies. That's what he said. He's saying they're just busy not doing anything. They're not working hard and they're living an undisciplined life. And let me tell you something, an undisciplined life is not a life that thinks you're going to get a lot from that. Not a lot comes out of living an undisciplined life. That's right. And that's what he's saying here. 
Now we command and exhort such persons in the Lord Jesus Christ to work peacefully and eat of their own bread. So he's saying they're not enemies, but keep in mind, exhort them, encourage such persons to get their life together. That's what he's saying. He's saying, don't look good to them as enemies or anything, but exhort them, encourage them like, no, you got to get up. You got to work. You got to put your hand to the plot. You got to do something. Because let me tell you something about idleness, ladies and gentlemen, which becomes the issue is that the biggest thing is, is that it, 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 it's mischievous. It opens up, it opens up doors and getting in people's uh, 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 business that they should not be in. And Paul even goes even further in um, in Timothy chapter five. I believe it's first Timothy chapter five. And he tells them again the same idea to Timothy. Like, listen, with the widows, he said, hey, there's some busybodies, And they getting in other people's affairs. You got to be careful of them. Watch what he says here. Watch what the proverb says here. Watch what he says. He says, Proverbs 13, 4 says, lazy people want much, but get uh, lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Yeah. Are you get what I'm saying? Listen, this is why we cannot be lazy. And this is why Paul is coming for idleness, because guess what? Idleness, laziness, unproductive and being unproductive leads to a place of poverty. You cannot have these grandioso ideas on other people's money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You can't have, you can't want all of this much, but don't want to work for it. See the idea. And I know we got Instacart. We got Insta, uh, Instagram. We got all of this stuff that we can get stuff on the, at any given, at any moment. And, and, and it really makes us unproductive. I know I'm speaking from experience. I can, I could inst, like, listen, I pay more for convenience. Everybody DoorDash, look at your money. <laughs> DoorDash, Instacart. You pay for convenience and convenience. What's happening is, ladies and gentlemen, is that where culture is moving into such a place of convenience that is it, while technology is great and is a great resource and a tool is making us more unproductive. It's sad. I know it does. I know I'm speaking. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm speaking for myself. I just know it does. It makes you lazy. I'm not going to the store. So I trust another person to pick my produce. Come on. <laughs> like, like, come on. I understand. He's saying, listen, you cannot think that you want to have all these great ideas and think that you can't work, that you're not going to have to put in some hours. I see it all the time. People start these businesses and start YouTube pages and all of this stuff. And they once they start getting into it and see that it requires work and it requires energy. Oh, I'm going to become a YouTuber tomorrow and don't realize that you're not going to become famous overnight, that it takes some time. Then people quit and they don't know how to persist. And that's why you're one of them. That's what you are. You are a lazy person. You want much, but you get little. You want a lot of stuff, but you get little. You want, you, you, want, you want the cars, you want the fame, you want all of this stuff, and you admire all these other people, but you don't look at how hard they had to work to get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it takes a work ethic. It takes labor. It takes a level of persistence. Are you get what I'm saying? 
Let's move some more. Let's go here. Proverbs 12, 24. The hand of the diligent will rule. But the slack hand will be put to forced labor. See, the hand of the diligent, ladies and gentlemen, will always find favor. It will always rule. But the one that is that 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 ladies and gentlemen who's a slack hand means someone who's idle, someone who's lazy. They'll always be forced to hard labor because they haven't made up in their cells and have the work ethic to boost up the, the, the to have the work ethic to get to a place of saying no instead of me being under this I'm going to become a president I'm going to become a, and do this and I'm going to do that you'll always be living the paycheck to paycheck if you have a slack hand are you get what I'm saying but he's saying the, the one that has a hand of the diligent you're a person that persists. You're a person that says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going despite doors being closed in your face. Because right. it's not going to be easy to get to where you, where God is taking you. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have some roadblocks around the, along the way. But if you're diligent, if you keep pursuing and pressing forward, he's saying you're going to rule. You're going to rule. Say, Lord, help me not be lazy. And here it is. This is the other reason why idleness, we got to be careful for. Here it is. This is what he told the church of Thessalonica earlier in 1 Thessalonians. This is what he said to them. He said, watch this. In chapter 4, verse 11 through 12, he says, make it your goal to live a quiet life. Minding what? Your own business. See, when you're working hard on what you got, you ain't worried about what's going on in somebody else. Come on, somebody say, mind your own business, church. Mind your own business. The issue is, is that people's business, people don't mind their business because you don't got nothing to do. He's saying, listen, mind your own business because if you're working hard, if you're focused, you're not worried about other people's business. That's the problem. When you are, in, when you are a slack, when you have a slack hand, when you're idle you, and you're an unproductive, ladies and gentlemen, you just try to feel anything, anything you can get into. Well, let me get into this. I ain't talked to that person all along. Let me get into that. Ooh, let me get the tea. That's because that shows a lack of focus. You're not focused. All right. He's saying and work with your hands. That means put your hands to do something. Just as we instructed you before, then people who are not believers will respect what? The way you live. And you will not need to depend on others. You know why Paul said this? It's because Paul was saying that the pagan, the people who are pagan around them would not respect those who live in a manner that's always looking for handouts. He said, I need you to understand this because people in the world are not going to respect your God if y'all always depending on others. How can you serve a God who makes you do who, 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 who can't supply? How can you serve a God that looks bad on God? God is a worker. Can I help somebody? Let me tell you something. Work was not exempt in the garden. Hi, I hear your spirit. He put a man in the garden and said, I want you to tend to it. Watch over it. He wants you, I want you to cultivate that ground. That's what I want you to do. 
Not only did he do that, but then he did, he gave him another job. I want you to name all the animals. God made us in his own image. He's a worker. He works. And so he gave Adam a job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He gave him a job. Think about it. The reason why we don't like work today is because of the fall of man. But we would have never had this disdain for our jobs if we didn't experience the fall. Are you get what I'm saying? Because God cursed man. He said, listen, you from the sweat of your brow. That's what he told him. You're going you gonna to toil and you're going to feel it. That's what he said. Genesis chapter 3. You can read it for yourself. That's why we feel. So when we work, we tired. That's, that's the part of the curse. <laughs> that's right there. That's part of it. Now you get what I'm saying? The real reason is, is that that can be a stumbling block for other people coming into the faith to know Jesus because they can't get over the fact that those people, man, they're not, they, they just think they God is going to give them something out of the air. God uses a job to be a blessing to your life. I know we want to, I know everybody's prophesying, you get a business, you get a business, you do that, and all of this stuff like that. Let me tell you something. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit, God bless you. But everyone does not have that. And guess what? You serving a nine to five is still giving God glory just as you being somebody's entrepreneur. The truth of the matter is this, ladies and gentlemen, that everything that we do ought to come to glorify God. And it is a means to provide for your family so your family won't resent you. You know, part of it when it said, when God says, parents, do not provoke your children to wrath. Part of the reason why some people have been provoked to wrath is because of how they grew. Oh, my God. Because of what was coming in the house. I'm trying to get this poverty spirit off of the church. Because the truth of the matter is, if we are going to be effective to all social economic uh, classes, we have to make sure that we as a people are showing how when we work, we do it in an excellent manner. You just don't show up now. Come on, everybody has them days where you don't feel like showing up. Amen. Amen. But when you get there, you better work hard. That's how Daniel found, because Daniel and the Hebrew boys were elevated because the scripture says because they had excellent spirits. Are you get what I'm saying? That's what got them into the house. Of the, uh, of the king. That's what got them uh, 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 elevated to such prominence. Because of their excellent spirits. We cannot be idle. We cannot be lazy. We have to be an example to others. That show, hey, look at what the people of God are doing. I like this people. I can get with us people. They talk my language. And not only that, but with their, they're also getting the God that we serve in his full essence. That the same God that can provide for someone who don't have the means is the same God who can bring a full purpose to one who have all supplies. 
Because God is not a God just for the poor man. He's not a God just for the rich man. He's a God that died, that sent his son Jesus to die for all mankind. That whoever will believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life. But guess what? If we're lazy, being idle, unproductive, how can we reach anyone? That's what Paul is saying to them. This is a new church in a new area. They have taken the region by storm. But if they're going to continue to be successful, they cannot allow the sum because a little leaven can lumen the whole, the, the whole. You get what I'm saying? So they had to make sure like, no, we got to stop this in this track. Let me clear up this thing about Jesus is coming. Nobody knows. Let me clear that up. You get to work right now. You get to doing what you need to do right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We cannot afford to get into a procrastination. There's books that people have in here. There's opportunities that you have in here. <laughs> I'm not looking your way. I'm looking at myself, myself as well. There's other opportunities that we all have, ladies and gentlemen. And let me tell you something. Either you're going to have your hand be diligent to get to it. Or what you're going to suffer, ladies and gentlemen, in return is not being able, ladies and gentlemen, to see, to see what God can do for a person when you put your all into it. And let me tell you something. Give it your all even when you feel like doors are being slapped in your face. Let me tell you this story and I'm wrapping up. Yesterday, I was on Netflix I know. <laughs> I was on Netflix yesterday, and it, it talked about and the movies that were made, and they talked about Home Alone. Did you not know that the movie Home Alone was not, that thing was about to get canceled, all right? That movie was, we, wouldn't, we were about to not get one of our favorite Christmas movies of all time. Now, that's up for debate for anybody who want to come see me about Home Alone 1 and 2. All right? Because <laughs> I know some of your faces, I'm not looking at Boomy over here. <laughs> I ain't looking at you over there. But, let me tell you this story, man. So, I'm looking at it. Number one, I realized that the house that we all think is iconic, they didn't shoot in the actual house. I didn't know that I was bamboozled. I was like, wow, you done took my whole childhood away right there. They shot it in a school. Listen, go look it and see it for yourself. They shot it. It's on Netflix. Here's the premise of the whole thing, and we're coming to a close. They were told they had a certain budget. Warner Brothers were the first ones who had the opportunity. They, they got the script. Warner Brothers said, hey, if you can make the movie for $12 million, we would do it. It got there in a second. You make it for 12 we get it. So the budget started creeping where it got to $14 million, Right? Got to $14 million, All these people are hired in the director. They're working hard. They're putting, you know, things into it. Right? And... So they're doing, they're doing hard. So they came back with Warner Brothers and said, hey, the budget got to 14. They said, if you can't get it down to 13.2 or 13.5, we're not doing it, right? They're not doing it at all. 
The guy who's the director had a friend over at um, Century Fox, or what, what was that thing called? What was it called? Yeah, what was it? New Line, like Century Fox or something like that. All right, so he had, he had the thing over there. And so he had the thing over there. And so he says, he said, hey, what y'all doing over there? He said, um, I heard about um, House Home Alone coming along. He was like, man, it looks like it's about to get cut off. It's looking like, they, you know, all this work we put into it is looking like they're not going to do it. Out of the relationship that the, di that the director had with this uh, person and a higher executive because he noticed his work ethic and how good he was at doing things when he pitched the script and had the opportunity out of that relationship that was created. It led him to the president. President said, how much money is it to do it? You at 14 million? He said, we'll do it. The only way you get to that is because a person who knew you and knew the type of ethic you had, work ethic you had is what got him in the room. So, because of that, that $14 million investment that they got, Century Fox ended up quadrupling that investment because Home Alone made 260 some million off of a low budget million of $14 million. What do I say this to say to you? It pays to have a work ethic. <laughs> Because through that relationship with that man that got him into the door to meet with uh, Roth, his name was, last name was Roth, and that is what got them to where they are. So let me tell you something. Either you're going to have the slack hand or you're going to have the diligent hand. And with that diligent hand, he made off pretty well, I would say. Stand to your feet. <laughs> Say, don't be lazy. You just never know. You just never, you just never know. Listen, I want to offer you Jesus Christ tonight. I want to offer you my Lord and my Savior. That over 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross for your sin. Believe it or not, you need a Savior. Because if you don't need a Savior, then you're telling me that you're perfect and you have no flaws. The truth of the matter is, is that Romans 3.23 that says, all men, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And the truth of the matter, Jesus has came and he's offered himself as a sacrifice to you so that you would give your life to him tonight. If you don't know who he is, let me tell you something. It is simply as believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. Romans tells us if you believe in your heart that, that uh, if you believe in your heart and confess in your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you are saved and you are saved. It's as simple as that. You don't got to do nothing else. You're saying, Pastor Brandon, hey, I already saved, but I want to rededicate my life back to Christ. You can do that as well. You are never too far to come back to God. You're never too far to come back from God. God is right here with open arms. He's saying, hey, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Come unto me and I'll give you rest. If that's you, you can text that number on the screen. You want to make TCF your church home? You can do that as well. You need a church home. You got to be covered. You got to be covered. Connect with us. We have people all over the world who's joined and partnered and, and tuned in. And that we serve. And they are in our, in our life groups. You can join. You can be a part. But more importantly than you being a part of a church, ladies and gentlemen, I care about you being a part of the body of Christ.
Because on that day, God is not going to tell you what church did you go to. He's going to ask <laughs> He's not asking about that. He want to know, <laughs> did you receive my son? Don't you go to God without the blood being applied over your life. Don't you go to God without Jesus, his son. The plan of eternal life is that, you, that the world will receive his son. So I just offer you that tonight. If you want to do that, say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge I'm far away from you and I need your salvation today. Lord, I, 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 you died on the cross for my sin. You were buried and you rose again. And I ask you, oh God, to make me new and come back into my life. In Jesus' name I pray. I receive you today as my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that decision here or you made that decision there, we believe that you're saved in Jesus' name. If you're glad about it, come on, put your hands together and give God a praise. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.